and welcome to our service this morning. Very welcome and uh, looking forward to uh, sharing with, with you all later on around the Lord's table. Um, there are just a few announcements. Uh, let me run through those, please. Uh, this morning in your order of service, you'll have seen a little prayer slip. Um, if you would like to, during the service, write a little prayer down on this prayer slip, wrap it up, and when you're handing in your offering later on, slip it into the collection plate. And if we don't get a chance to pray for it today, we'll, we'll be putting it uh, before the prayer meeting and we'll pray for it during the week. But feel free to feel it, keep it totally anonymous if you wish. But may I just encourage you, because we were looking last week a wee bit at, at sometimes we talk about coming in the church and leaving your problems at the door and focusing on Christ in church. Well, Christ wants you to actually bring your problems in the door and that he will be with you amongst you and helping you through those things. So it's a wee way of, of visually seeing that we're, we're wanting to our concerns and our fears and our doubts and our needs into God's hands. We put it in the collection plate and we'll pray for it if we get a chance later on. Um, and again, as I said, feel, feel free to keep it anonymous. Uh, this evening we have a special service starting at half past seven. Walter Hope of Samaritan's Purse will be the guest speaker at the service uh, with praise being led by Waiting for Sophie. So please see the order of service for more details on that and come along and bring a friend. Uh, if you'd like to attend the Alpha course, uh, you can still fill in the slip at the back and drop it in the little box in the vestibule. Uh, it starts on Wednesday the 27th of September and I just want to explain a wee bit about uh, the Alpha course because we often have home groups on a Wednesday night. Um, what we've tried to do is, is compromise so that people in home groups don't feel that they're deserting the home group to come to Alpha. We don't want that. We don't want any sort of feeling of competition at all. So what we've decided to do is that on the 27th will be Alpha, the Alpha course here starting and Alvin Lill will um, be leading that. And then the following week will be home groups and we're gonna alternate so that you're able to go to both and you're gonna be able to just alternate those until probably near Easter, it would probably go on too. So as I said last week, it's about coming to be refreshed. You won't have to do anything. It's about coming to receive Jesus. It's about getting back to the basics of following Christ. You know, there is that, that passage, and I think it's the church of the Laodicea. Jesus says, you've lost your first love. You've lost that, that, that crisp, that freshness that you had once before when you first came to Christ. And he says, go back and do what you first did. So the Alpha is about going back to the basics, going back to trying to just um, refresh ourselves and bring, bring the love of Jesus into our hearts and just uh, allow ourselves to be reinvigorated. Um, so please, if you'd like to come along to that, there's a wee slip at the back in the vestibule. Please fill in your name and put it in the wee box. Uh, next week, we're going to have a family service, and the theme is, you'll have seen this today, worship is fun. Um, and if you would uh, bring the children along and uh, any friends along, we're going to have a fun Sunday next Sunday. Um, look in particularly at worship. Okay. Um, on Sunday the 1st of October then we have the return of Life Lounge 
when our guest will be the Reverend Alvin Little. Um, Waiting for Sophie will be leading the worship. And I hope you'll come along to that. Just one more announcement. Uh, to try and help familiarize yourselves with some new songs or some songs that we're not just familiar with that much. Uh, each week, um, we're going to have on Facebook a song of the week, and it'll be a song that uh, will be, you'll be able to go on and learn it or go over it for next Sunday. It'll be used next Sunday service. So one that we have I've picked for, for to go on this week is uh, You Will Never Run Away. It's by Ren Collective, quite an active one for the kids, plenty of actions. So if you have children or grandchildren, get them to have a look at it during the week and get a wee bit of practice done uh, for the actions. So I think that's all the announcements. May I just um, read, start the service by reading John chapter 19. John 19, uh, verses 28 to 30. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lips. And when he'd received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus, during that time, he was humiliated. He was punched with fists. He had his back open with lashes, whips, all sorts of whips with pieces of metal in them. And carrying his cross, so weak that he couldn't carry it that Simon of Cyrene had to do it. And then he comes to the cross that day and he's saying now it's finished. It's not that it's all over with regards to life, but what he's done in bringing us salvation, he's saying it is finished, and this is now a new beginning. Now, let's just pray a minute. Father, we just want to come into your presence this morning, and it's wonderful to just come and allow our hearts to be still before you and to be able to receive just in the messages that you give us in Scripture, your love and your kindness, and Lord, your faithfulness to us. We thank you for what you went through. Forgive us, Lord, when we take it for granted. Forgive us, Lord, when it becomes familiar to us. But thank you, Jesus, that you are here today, risen from the dead, with us by your Spirit, and Lord, we want to be able to just be in your presence and, and enjoy your presence this morning. We ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene.
communicants to uh, welcome this morning and uh, I'd like everybody to to just encourage them and um, one is Alex Ireland or Alec where are you there he is and uh, Alec was a member here and sang in the choir here many years ago he, he was he's been in West Bangor, Bangor West, and uh, now he's transferring back to us. He's coming home. So very welcome. And uh, also Rebecca, who all of you know, Rebecca Williams, who uh, is Ben's fiance, and uh, she's transferring from the Ch Church of the Nazarene in Carrickfergus to us. So can I just, Rebecca, can I give you the right hand of fellowship and on behalf of the congregation of Ballycrocken, Presbyterian Church, welcome you into our fellowship. And uh, and I like the same goes to you as well. Thanks, Mark. You're very, very welcome here and uh, it's lovely to have you here and we'll be supporting you and caring for you. Thank you very You're much. part of the family. So I'd just like to welcome you. Thank you. God bless. Okay. Okay, if the boys and girls would like to come up to the front, um, would you like to come up to the front? Because I don't want to be lonely up here. Any boys and girls? Come on ahead, come on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have faith that kids are going to come up because I'm going to get down on my knees. Uh, okay, come on. You're not going to leave me here, are you? <laughs> Are there any more? Are there any coming up? Good. Ah, oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for not leaving me here alone. Now, I'm going to read out a wee story to you. Uh, yes, it's Mark chapter 12, verses 1 to 12. Now, it says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. In other words, Capernaum was a town, beautiful beach at Capernaum, at the Sea of Galilee. Peter used to live there, and it's thought that a lot of what Jesus did up in that area, he, he, while he was doing it, he stayed in Peter's house. And it's suspected that possibly it was Peter's house. And we're told that everybody was talking about Jesus was in this house. Jesus is in this house. So they start to travel to the house. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. And some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man. Do you know what paralyzed means? It's a big word, isn't it? Do you know what paralyzed means? It means not being able to move part of your body. If someone is paralyzed from the neck down, can't move their hands or their feet or their arms, what, do you th what things do you think you couldn't do? What could you not do if you were paralyzed? You couldn't walk, you're right. And anything else, Emily, if you, anything. Couldn't run, couldn't play football, couldn't swim, couldn't write at school. There's lots and lots of things and it's very sad. But this man was paralyzed but he had four friends. We're told that he was carried by four of them. And they, got, they could not get him to Jesus because there were so many people at this house. And you know what they had to do? We're told in Scripture here that they had to. There were steps that went up onto the top of the roof. 
So they climbed the steps to the top of the roof. And if it was Peter's roof, he'd probably be quite angry because they started to dismantle the roof. And they had this paralyzed man on this bed and they began to lower him down through the roof. And everyone underneath, can you imagine it? Everyone underneath, the dust and the soil and stuff from the top of the roof was falling on their heads. And th this man, they were very concerned about. But they had, when Jesus saw their faith, we're told, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were told, that was teachers of, of the Jewish law, they were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? Why do you think they'd have been shocked when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven to this paralyzed man? When, they, when Jesus said that, why do you think they'd be shocked? Any idea? Because surely they were thinking, only God can forgive sins. This man, Jesus, who is he who thinks that he can forgive sins? And Jesus knows what they're thinking. And we're told here, he said, he said to them, why are you thinking these things? He says, which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Because anybody could say, it's easy to say your sins are forgiven. What proof do you have of that? But it's not everyone that would say to a paralyzed man, get up and walk, and he actually walked. So Jesus wanted them to know, I'll show you that when I tell you your sins are forgiven, they really are forgiven because I'm going to do something very difficult now. And he turned to the man who had been paralyzed probably all his life, remember was never able to swim, never able to write, never able to walk, never able to run, never able to jump, never able to hug anybody. And Jesus said, get up and walk. Take your bed and go home. And this man started to feel his muscles starting to tighten in his legs. For the first time in his entire life, he could feel his hands starting to move and his arms starting to move. He, and he started to get up off his bed. And if, if it was me, what would you do? If, if suddenly, if after all those years that you were never able to play or hug or anything, what would you do if you were suddenly healed? If it was me, I'd be dancing. I'd be running everywhere. I'd be wanting to, 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 to go and hug everyone. I wouldn't want to go home. I'd want to go out and play football with the friends to feel what it feels like to run and to jump and to hug and to leap up in the air. <laughs> and that's what Jesus said, you know. This, when I say, basically, Jesus was proving that when I say your sins are forgiven, they're forgiven. I healed this man. Your sins are forgiven. So we're going to sing a little song now. It's quite an old one. I don't know if you've ever learned it, but it's quite a catchy number. Um, but it's about, because there were two men, Peter and John. It's about these two men who were Jesus' disciples, and they were going up to the temple to pray, and there, there was a crippled man, and not paralyzed this time, but crippled, which means he couldn't walk. And back then, 
most crippled people ended up begging outside because they couldn't work for a living in order to buy bread and food for their, and so forth. So they usually begged, and his man was begging for years outside. And Peter turned, he said that, he asked Peter, Peter, would you have, would you have some money? Money, please, could have money. Money for food, please, money for food. And Peter said, sorry, I don't have any money. I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. But what I do have, I give to you. And he prayed in the name of Jesus that this man would walk. And he'd probably never walked before either. And like the paralyzed man, he got up and he jumped and he was leaping and he was excited. And that's the song we're going to sing now. Um, it's about this man leaping and praising God uh, for, for his health and his healing. Okay. I want to give my all to Jesus. Good. The very reason you can give your all to Jesus is because Jesus gave all that he had for you. I want to do what he did. So did Peter and John. They were just simple men, but God used them in a mighty way. He sure will. Just listen to their story. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He asked for alms and held out his palms. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Hey, your disciples, you do it now. Peter and John went to pray. Yeah. Will you bring friends next week? Tell all your friends. We're going to have great fun next Sunday. Family service. Worship is fun. Worshiping God is fun. Okay? It's not dar. It shouldn't be dar. It should be fun and great. Okay? So the boys and girls can, can go out to Sunday club and Bible class if you want. Have a fantastic time. Okay? And we'll see you next week. And your offering will be received. Aye.
Father, we pray that you would take these offerings of ours and use them for the extension of your kingdom. Lord, we pray, Father, that you would bless what we do here in this place amongst every age group, that, Lord, the kingdom of God, the rule of Christ, might come amongst us as we worship you and make you center. In Jesus' name, we surrender these to you. Amen. This time last week, we were praying for people in Morocco and didn't know that later on that day, there would be a disaster in Libya as well, where about 11,000 people, I think it's up to now, who have been killed because of the floods. So let's just pray. Let's just think about those folk for a moment and surrender them to God. Father, it's hard for us to imagine what it would be like for to have your whole family wiped away in half an hour. Father, the pain out there must be so intense, so severe. The grief, Lord, and and as they try to build their lives again, try to build their businesses again, try to find loved ones, try to bury the dead, Try to keep disease at bay that comes from things like this. Father, we, we, we pray, Lord, that your grace would be sufficient for everyone out there. Lord, we don't know what to pray. We just don't know what are the right things to pray in such a devastating time. But we pray, Lord, that, that folk who are there helping Lord, that you would give them all the strength they need as they work night and day, that you would give everyone the strength and the ability to keep going. Father, that you would come alongside as the paracletos, as the comforter. Lord, come alongside folk. Comfort them, strengthen them at this time. Lord, those who have to make decisions about what needs to be done, We pray, Father, that you would give them wisdom. We pray that the medical staff that are waiting to be allowed to work, Father, may get free entrance and and liberty to do what they do best. Lord, we ask these things. We pray, Lord, also for the, the Moroccan people as well, as they also lift up their lives or lift up their, try to build their lives again. God, give them everything that they need. Lord, be with the churches there. Be with the churches in Libya also. Lord, give pastors, ministers, missionaries, those out there, Father, give them strength and help them, Lord, in this time to bring hope and light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just before we we come uh, to the Word of God, I want to just, this particular Uh, hymn is by Keith and Christine Getty, and it's called Speak, O Lord. And it's contemplative. Let's let's sit and and reflect, but allow our hearts, which are often when we come in on a Sunday morning, 
our minds are filled with so many things, things that have gone on in the past week, things we're worried about, things we're worried about for this week. And it's just the adrenaline sometimes is pumping, and we just need to settle our hearts to receive what God wants to say to us today and what He wants to say to us around the table later on. Um, so let's just, let's just reflect on this. If you know it, feel free to sing it, but let's, let's use it as a reflective uh, time of worship and surrendering our hearts. God, I really want to hear from you. God, would you speak to me? Speak, O oh Lord, by Keith and Christian Gaddy.
just want to uh, read from Genesis 1, verse 1. Um, In the beginning, God. Short but sweet. (laughs) That's the reading. In the beginning, God. Isn't it wonderful? God was there in the beginning. And whatever experience you're going through at the moment, any hard time or heartache you're going through at the moment, God was there in the beginning. He's got that wisdom He's got that strength. He's got that resource to pull you through. But what I, I want to ask you a question this morning. Why, why are we here? You know, what, what are we here for? I don't mean what are we here in the church for. I mean, why are we here on earth? What are we doing here? Um, you know, if, if it all began with a big bang and it's going to end with a, an almighty wallop, um, and we're molecules that are somehow stuck in the middle, and we have a life, and then we die, and, and, and that's it. What, what, what are we here for? Why are we here? Richard Dawkins, who is a well-known atheist and the secular humanist society, they, they, a number of years ago, about four years ago, they, they, they did an advert. They on, put, paid together for an advert put, to put, put on London buses on the side of buses. And the advert said, there probably is no God. Stop worrying and enjoy life. There probably is no God. Stop worrying and enjoy life. How can you stop worrying? How can you enjoy life if your life consists of coming on to a conveyor belt at a particular year and going along and living your life and falling off the end of that conveyor belt, and that's it. Well, there was a, a, a very, I was a vicar in London who had a great sense of humor, and he had, his church was on the street, and uh, outside the church was a bus stop and so in response to this banner that Richard Dawkins had done, he put a banner at the side of his church. He said, there probably is no bus, so step inside and enjoy God. <laughs> there probably is no bus. Step inside and enjoy God. The gospel message that we have is a great story, a true story. John 3.16 explains it very well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a great story. There's a beginning, and then there's a problem, and then there's a solution, and then there's a happy ending. That's a great story. I wonder, if I was to ask you, where does the gospel begin in the Bible? Many of you might say, well, it begins in Matthew's gospel. Um, but no, 
the Apostle Paul would, would disagree. You know, many of us would think, yeah, well, Jesus came. We're told about Jesus in Matthew, the birth of Jesus. So that's when the gospel. But Paul, he puts it right back to Genesis. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says in this, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance, the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Here is a promise that God gave to Abraham back in Genesis. And Paul is saying that even in that statement that the gospel is being preached, that God would bless the line of Abraham, even to all nations would be blessed by him. I'm sure we're tempted to think about, I've thought about this at times, we're tempted to think that the God in the Old Testament is a different God from the New Testament, that the message in the Old Testament is a different message from that in the New Testament, but it's not. God is the same God. The message is the same message. But you might think to yourself, well, well Mark, what about uh, in the New Testament? It's about Jesus. It's about grace. It's about forgiveness. It's lovely. It's light. But in the Old Testament, surely it's about law. It's about judgment. It's about God's wrath. And yes, that's right. That's true. But in the Old Testament, laws are given. But there are 14 chapters of God's grace before the laws come. Whenever the Hebrew people are in Egypt and they're doing the brick pits and they're being, receiving lashes on their backs and starvation and, and all sorts of stuff from the Egyptians and they're total slaves, God sends Moses and by the grace of God, God brings those people out of Egypt. And it, it was so much of God's grace, so much of God's favor. And when he gets them out, he says, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to live. Because of what I've done out of my grace for you and my love for you, this is how I want to live. And that's when God gives the laws afterwards. And God gives how we are meant to live. God says, be holy to his people. Now, holy, we sort of think, I could never be holy but it's about the term, the Hebrew term means set apart, distinct, that you would shine and be distinct before other people. And that's what the mission was of Israel, that they were to be a, a, a people who would be different, who would stand out by how they lived, by how they treated others, by their attitudes, by how they lived for God. And that was meant to be a light to the nations. But of course, you know that that failed. But what I'm trying to point out is that the Old Testament, it, the gospel is in the Old Testament right from Genesis. It's God's grace, the message of the gospel, just like Paul preaches grace and then wants us to live for Christ. The God's grace was in the Old Testament first, and then he wanted those who followed him to live for him and to be distinct. You know, I love watching programs. I love the Amazon rainforest. 
I love to see all the different birds, the colors, and the animals, and the insects, and the fish. There's just so much life about it. But I wouldn't want to get lost in the Amazon. Very dangerous place to get lost in the Amazon. And, and the Bible, the, word, the Old Testament, is a wee bit like the Amazon rainforest. You can sometimes feel a bit lost in it. There are books that are more difficult to understand than other books, and you can feel lost. But if you ever get lost in the Amazon rainforest, just in case you go on your holidays there and you get lost, just uh, there are so many rivers, so many tributaries. Some are running fast, some are going so slow you'd hardly even notice, but they're covering the rainforest. But they're all going in the same direction to the ocean. And the Old Testament's a bit like that. There are books in it that we, you go, what's that about? There, but all of, the, all of the books, all of the messages of the Old Testament are leading to Jesus Christ, who is the centerpiece of the gospel. You know, God has given us his word from Genesis to Revelation it's not right if we just read the New Testament and don't unpack the old. It's like someone giving you a couple of presents and you unpack part of it and just throw the other bit in the corner. God's Word and the Old Testament is so important to understand because it throws light on Jesus Christ, who He is, and what he came to do in his life, his work, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. Now, let me read out to you 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. Often we, when we talk about the Scriptures, we're referring to the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? But when Paul was talking about the Scriptures, when he was writing about the Scriptures, he was referring to the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't been written. So he writes to Timothy, who is almost like he's an adopted son. It's suspected that Paul led him to Christ, and he becomes pastor of the church in Ephesus. Uh, Paul gives him that charge, trusts him with that. Um, but Timothy lacks a wee bit of confidence, lacks a wee bit of self-esteem, and lacks a wee bit of faith. And here he writes to him, and he says, "'As for you, continue in what you've learned.'" and have become convinced of, because you know those from which you learned it, and how the infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. What's he talking about? He's saying, that which you've learned in the Old Testament, build on that. Don't ignore that. Build on that. Keep on learning that. Keep on studying that. And he says, the Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He's talking about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is there to show us and lead us, like all those Amazon tributaries, lead us to Christ. That's what it's about. It's the Old Testament. And it's often the Old Testament we left set, set aside thinking, I can't understand that. But it's important to understand the Old Testament that we might understand more of who Jesus is. Let me read you another passage, uh, one from Luke. Luke chapter 24, Luke 24, and it's verse 27. 
Now, <clears throat> Jesus sees two disciples. It's after his resurrection, but they don't, they're not convinced that Jesus has been raised. One's Cleopas, another one we don't know his name, but they're headed to Emmaus. And they're walking along and they're kicking the, the, the dust and the sand and their heads are bowed. And Jesus goes over and says, what, what on earth are you sad about? You look really down. And they start to explain about Jesus. We were expecting him to be the Messiah and he was crucified and he was given over and now we're without him. And some woman went to the tomb. And if you want to believe that, you know, they say that Jesus was risen from the dead, but they don't sound convinced. And we're told in this verse that Jesus starts to talk to them and he's beginning with Moses and all the prophets he explained to them what was said in all scriptures concerning himself. Now, what is that? That's the Old Testament he begins to go through. So it's very important to understand, if we're going to understand who Jesus is, it's important that we dip into, that we read the Old Testament and see it point us to who he is. Pastor, there's a pastor called Pastor Chris Gonzalez, and uh, He's a, a pastor in Phoenix, and he, he was very much into, into teaching the Bible as the big story, one big story, gospel in the Old Testament, gospel in the New Testament, Bible, one big story. And one, one day, there was a woman in the church office, and she, she said to him, Pastor, this thing about the Bible being one big story, she says, I just don't get it. I don't get it. So what he did was <clears throat> he leaned over and he got an envelope that was on her desk and he began to tell the whole Bible story from Genesis to Revelation using six symbols. And I want to use those this morning. <laughs> Earlier I asked you, why are we here? What are we here for? One is to know God in a personal way, in an intimate, real way. But more than that, I want, to, I want to look and see where do we fit into this big story? We fit in somewhere, but where do we fit into this big story? Why are we here? What's our purpose? So I just want to come down here a wee minute and do something a wee bit different. Um, First of all, I want to draw the first symbol uh, that the pastor used, and it's this. It is number one, creation. God, in the beginning, created the heavens and he created the earth, and uh, he created nights and days, the earth, the sea, the sky, the seasons, um, and he created an earth that he himself could dwell upon and be with us. He walked with God, Adam in the garden. That's what he created. That was the first symbol that this man used. Second symbol now is... an X. Now, 
Plenty of time, my homeworks, when they came back from the teacher, there was a big X on them, which, which showed me that there was something wrong. Okay, and in Genesis 3, verse 3, sin becomes part of man's experience. God had a story set for man, but because of man and man's rebellion, man writes his own story, and he begins to write his own story, and he begins to get very confused as to what's really important in life as he walks away from God's story for him. But the third is the third symbol that he used is this. And it's promise. It's promise. God promises that in a world gone wrong, God promises to put it right. In a world that's cursed, and it's not just men, the whole earth, we're told in Genesis, was cursed, was made imperfect because of man's rebellion. And God promises to make it right. Uh, as I've already said, Israel was to be a light to the nations. Let me just read Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 to you. Abraham, as you know, he, God called him to go and follow him. And he went out not knowing where he was going or what he was doing. He was just wanting to be faithful to God. So he carried out after God. And we're told... By, God says to him, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. There's the gospel. Abraham, I'm telling you now that through your line, there's going to be blessing to every nation. Blessing to every single nation. And that was the promise. And as I said before, Israel were to be a light to the nations. They were to be holy. They were to be distinct. They were to be set apart. They were to be loving instead of hateful. They were to be patient instead of impatient. They were to be kind instead of cruel. They were to worship God instead of worshiping idols. Their whole lives were to be different. They were to be a light to us. We're the Gentiles, the non-Jews. They were to be a light that God could reach us through his people. But as you know, they failed. But there was the promise also through the prophets. And the whole sacrificial system, as people brought a lamb to be slain, day in, day out, day in, day out, for their sins, all of that was pointing, these rivers running out to the ocean, all of that was pointing to Christ, to Jesus Christ, to someone who would not fail them someone who would not fail God and not fail them. Then, <clears throat> quite an obvious one then, getting into the, the New Testament, we have the cross. We have the cross of Jesus Christ with this fourth symbol. The cross of Jesus Christ. Here we have the very center of the gospel. We have it in the old, and it points us to the new, and we have it 
the climax of the gospel is Christ himself. His, his birth, his death, his life, his ministry, his resurrection. All nations, Abraham, was going to be blessed through you. And you know who's going to come through your line. It's going to be Jesus Christ is going to come through your line. You know, I said this to some people during the week. Israel, at the end of Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, Israel was on its lowest, the lowest it could ever go. God hadn't spoken to them for 400 years. God had turned, it seemed like God had turned away from them. And they were on their lowest. When they sinned in the past, God always spoke to them through the prophets. But this time he didn't say a thing. But yet out of his grace, he broke that silence when a wee baby cried in Bethlehem. When a wee baby cried in a stable in Bethlehem. And that was the greatest act of God's grace the world had ever seen. God promised through Abraham a Messiah will come. He promised through the prophets. He promised through the sacrificial system that God would send Messiah. He'd send the Savior. And here he is, Jesus. And the very root, the Hebrew root of the word Jesus means the Lord is salvation. His name is synonymous with salvation. There is no salvation in anyone else. Let me read that to you in Acts chapter 4, in fact. Acts chapter 4. And Peter's speaking to the, the Jewish leaders. And this is what he says. He says, salvation is found in no one else. He says, for there is no other name under heaven apart from Jesus given to mankind by which he must be saved. The fifth, the fifth marker is our fifth symbol is that of mission. Mission. After the four gospels, there's Acts of the Apostles, where the disciples would be empowered to be witnesses for God. In Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, we're told, Jesus says to them, do not leave Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere. Don't you be going anywhere. But wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on a couple of sentences later. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Ends of the earth, does that remind you of Genesis, the promise? Abraham, 
from your descendants there'll be a blessing. All nations will be blessed. And Jesus coming out of the line of Abraham and now the mission of us, you and I, filled with the Holy Spirit to go and bring Christ to all nations, to all nations. So you become a part of the family of Abraham. You become that part and Jew and Gentile alike. So why are we here? What are we here for? We are the continuation of the Old Testament. The guys who were meant to be a light to the nation, meant to be distinct, meant to be holy, so that we might reach others for Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus, I, I, I was thinking about this during the week, Jesus, before he tells us to do anything, he tells us to be. You will be my witnesses. Be salt. Be light. Be holy. Be distinct. Be like Christ. You know, do you understand that most people come to faith in Jesus Christ not by a sermon from a minister, not even by an outreach, but by relationships by you having relationships with other people and being that light, being that salt, being that distinct difference from the rest of society, that's what people come to faith in Christ as a result of the most. When Jesus tells us to be, to be those things, it speaks to me of morality. And that's where in the Old Testament, when he took them out of Egypt and he gave them the law, this is how I want you to live in response to what I've done for you, for the grace. And we come into the New Testament, he's telling us the same thing. He's telling us, this is how I want you to live as a response to my grace that I sent my own son to die on the cross in your place that you might have life and have it abundantly. And I want you to live in this way. I want you to live in, with purity pure hearts. I want you to be kind. I want you to be selfless. I want you to be forgiving. I want you to be understanding. I want you to be patient. I want you to be like my son, that you might be distinct and be witnesses to others around you. You know, if there's anybody watching online this morning and they're thinking, I'm not well enough I'm ill. I can't get out. I need carers four times a day. How, what can I do? It's more about being. Being who you are in Christ. You can be a witness to a carer just from being who you are in Christ. Be who you are in your workplace. Be holy. Be distinct. Be different with your neighbors. Be different with the person in your family that's not a believer. Be different. Wherever you go, be like Christ. And of course, our fuel, our strength, our resource to do that comes not from ourselves. It comes from Christ, who's the main stem. And as we abide in him and connect with him regularly, meeting with him, how he then, by his Spirit, flows through us. But the final uh, symbol that, that the pastor used 
was again this arrow. And it's, it's, it's new creation. New creation. And that's us getting into Revelation. The first two chapters in the Bible, the first two chapters in the Bible are to do with God creating the universe, God creating the earth. The last two chapters in the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, they're about a new creation. They're about a new creation. Let me, let me read to you a couple of verses from Revelation 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. He'll come down. He'll come down again, in a sense. He will purge the earth again. He will recreate the earth again. He will cleanse the earth again. He will be Emmanuel, God, with us upon the earth. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I heard Chris Wright doing, using this particular illustration. I'm asking you, what are you here for? Just to round up, what are you here for? Why are you here? He said about a, a massive, one of these big flat TV screens now, that about a billion pixels in them. And each of us are one pixel, and very small in the big picture but each of us responsible for being in Christ who he wants us to be, that we might show others, be a part of that bigger picture of salvation. Okay. I don't know what time it is. I better get going. <laughs> Sorry about that. I've never done anything like this before, so I haven't really timed it. So, uh, but, you know, what, what God has given us in Jesus Christ is wonderful. To have him as our Savior is absolutely wonderful. To have that relationship with our Creator, God, through Jesus Christ, and know that our sins are forgiven and have that relationship with him is wonderful. And all of us are very different. And all of us meet, we meet different people. I meet people that you won't meet, you meet people I won't meet. We, together we form a bigger picture in this community of who Christ is and of what he can do for people. When I was in Avoca, I did a lot of reading and um, I find a poem called We Are One in Christ, and I thought this explains very well who we are, who we are, all of us. We're all struggling. We're all going through difficulties. We're all different. 
but we're one in Christ. We are one in Christ. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to read part of the poem, and I want you to be involved in it, because the yellow part will be where you re- that you read, okay? So we'll just have a look there, the first part. We are, I'll read, we are many, God's great diversity, and then you repeat, we are, you say, we are one in Christ. Okay, so we'll go through it, and I just think it's a wonderful poem, an illustration of who we are um, together as a body. We are many, God's great diversity, yet we are one in Christ. Different faces, different races, yet we are one in Christ. Butchers, bakers, website makers, bankers, tailors, teachers, sailors, yet we are one in Christ. Fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, single, married, broken, carried, yet we are one in Christ. The happy, the clappy, the barely out of nappies, the ancient, the modern, the famous, the forgotten, yet we are one in Christ. Some hopeful, some hopeless, some cope well, some cope less, some sure and some doubt, some whisper and some shout, yet we are one in Christ. Those with abundance, those with need, those who are generous or wrestle with greed, yet we are one in Christ. Elbows, tummies, knees and noses, kidneys, femurs, teeth and toeses, some unmentionable, some protected, some accepted, some rejected, yet we are one in Christ. A broken body, torn apart, bars God's image, breaks God's heart, and yet our Father knows how the end will be when all his kids will sing in harmony. The bride will dazzle, the branches bloom, so add your voice to him the tune that we are one in Christ. Okay, thank you. Acts chapter 2. Verses 44 to 47. Again, explaining in a sense who we are. We're told all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We're one in Christ. And we come and share the communion we come and share the bread and the wine this morning together um, with a group of people, and we struggle and we hurt, but we are one in Christ, and we come together to do this this morning. Let me read from Corinthians, 
Paul says, I, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, and the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. I just want to welcome everyone here around the Lord's table. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're very welcome. Uh, you may not have a communion token. You may not be a communicant member, but you're very welcome. You love the Lord Jesus Christ. You're very welcome to come and share uh, around the table um, with us. Let's just pray a moment. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for him. Lord, he is our meaning in life. He's our purpose. He's what we're here for. He cleanses our hearts. He dusts us down. He lifts us back up again and gives us the power to be his witnesses and to be salt and light in this community. Lord, I pray that you would be with people this morning, Father. There may be folk here and they're feeling a heaviness on their heart, a fear, a worry. Lord, they're feeling life is tough at the moment. Or maybe they feel, Lord, that there's something in their past they can't forgive themselves for. I pray, Lord, bring your assurance of forgiveness. Bring your grace and your peace to their hearts and lives as we celebrate and remember what you did for us in your death and resurrection. Thank you for the bread. Thank you for the wine. Most of all, Thank you, God, for Jesus. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. That's it. After supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Thank you, Jesus, that whenever we leave this building, and we go on to the front line of our lives again, I thank you that you are with us. 
every step of the way, every moment of the day, through thick and thin, high and low, you are there for us. Amen. Let's stand and let's finish our service with When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. for keeping you a wee bit late. I've never done anything like that before. But can I just say, you know, if you find yourself in that place that the Laodicean church is, you're growing a bit cold, you've got so busy in your life, and, and Christ son, suddenly has gone to the sidelines, get him back. Get him back. Go into his presence and pour out your heart, and don't get up off your knees again until you've got him back till you got that love back because he loves you and he wants to have that relationship with you. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.